specialized. Even in our company, we need to start specializing. Mm -hmm. So, you know, Nick and I, we don't take every meeting together now. He needs to specialize and work on this, and I trust him to do that, and vice versa. This is The Playbook. And I have my guest, Jason Alvarez-Cohn, CEO and co-founder of Popple, that's P-O-P-L, and Nick Eichens, COO and co-founder of Popple. Two young gentlemen who I met, I think they either were still at UCLA or graduating from UCLA and looking through uh, your new progress, uh, I just had to have you on the playbook because I think the majority of my audience needs to understand what it takes to be a successful entrepreneur uh, and how we deal with change. Uh, because both of you not only uh, physically have reached puberty, uh, but emotionally and business-wise as well because I can see a great transformation uh, in what you've been able to do since I met you uh, when you were graduating school. For you two, what's the biggest lesson that you've learned from the time when we met and you were big-eyed and bushy-tailed, looking to raise money, trying to figure out this virtual business card business uh, with the dreams of having an uh, integrated platform to utilize all types of different platforms, uh, as I saw it at that time. What lesson you know, has stem from the years of success now uh, from the day that we met? Yeah, well, so I kind of see this in two parts. The first one is, you know, as first-time founders coming out of UCLA, we knew that there was a lot that we didn't know, right? So we kind of went into this and we started this company and we knew there was so much that, okay, we, we need to learn along the way, but that is the beauty of it and that's what we kind of accepted as people, as, first-time founders, and that accepting of understanding that we don't know it now, but we're going to learn it along the way and meet great people like Jeremy. Uh, that understanding was really what is like, okay, full speed ahead, even though, what are we doing? I would say, well, I've been really blown away by our progress. I didn't think what we're, what we're doing now I never thought was possible two years ago when we first started this. And bigger picture, I think what I've learned is expect the best and the best things possible. Because the higher you set the bar for yourself is the level that you expect to achieve. And that's something I've learned from our partner Jeremy, from our team. Just the more we grow our business and the more success that we have, it's just, it's, it's so fulfilling. And before, you know, I was really modest. I was raised really humble to be, don't expect everything, just Can't like, sit. yeah, <laughs> I'm from the Midwest. <laughs> don't, uh, Things that come to you, you should be very grateful for. But now I've learned, you know, expect what, expect the best for yourself and for your business. Ask for what you want. Ask for the sale. And uh, it's gotten us this far. I hope it continues to grow for us. And hope absolutely. And, you know, having personal relationship with Jeremy Greenfield, your chief revenue officer, and obviously coming from someone who teaches asking in person on the phone via email, traditional social media is of utmost important. And I always talk about, you know, working with Arthur Blank, the founder of Home Depot, another small company like yours. Uh, I always go back to the checkout, right? That the mm -hmm. automatic, the self-checkout sells more warranties than the pro contractor, the consumer in the garden uh, checkout combined simply because the machine asks. So uh, I can see a different uh, attitude and perspective on confidence of receiving because both of you, one thing that stood out is not only the desire that you must be what you can be, 
extraordinary skills and knowledge coming from UCLA as young entrepreneurs. No doubt you have a higher basement, as I say, than most having that. Uh, but you also had the intangible that Jeremy has, by the way, that you must be what you can be, a desire. Now, one of the most difficult things that I had as a young entrepreneur and was one of my chief concerns, uh, even before you had Jeremy as, as an advisor and now as an executive with your company, was mentorship. Uh, part of not knowing what we, you don't know is that we take on the wrong people that don't know what they don't know, but they have what's called ignorant arrogance, not ignorant humility. So you guys have ignorant humility, uh, but there's a lot of sharks and snakes out there uh, that portray themselves by overselling, back-end selling, lying, manipulating, and cheating, uh, and you end up getting bad advice because you're not taking advice from people that are sitting in a situation you want to be in. They're just blowing smoke uh, where you don't, or where the sun doesn't shine, let's put it that way. One of the mentors, though, that you have that I thought uh, was a very positive asset was that you actually had a parent, your father, that knows what he knows, but also had radical humility, that he was someone that was helping you search for the right people that sat in a situation that you wanted to be in to give you directions to get there. Um, in the last two years, how much has the mentorship from Jeremy and your dad meant to you, and have you seen them protecting and promoting you from what your common intuition may have said, oh, dad, this is a great idea, oh, this is gonna be a great opportunity, or this is a great person. How many times over the last two years have you found wow, this whole dummy tax thing really has value. And I promise you, and I don't mean to insult Jeremy or your dad, they've paid a lot of dummy tax already and they've saved you a lot. I love this topic. So it, it was, you know, well, let me start off by saying, you know, LA especially, it's so easy to talk. You know, it's, <laughs> people just talk. You know, I, I have this, I have this. Do you really? It's, Standing we, in front of cars you don't own exactly. and houses we, you lease. Yep. Yeah. We started to kind of <laughs> see through that smoke and mirrors. Um, and so you just kind of, kind of have that lens now in, in, in this business. Uh, but it's, you know, it's a great point. I'm lucky enough to have my dad who is uh, you know, UC Berkeley and working for the UC system is you know, as real as you can get. And so he's had experience with these people. And so having him as an advisor at that very early stage uh, was very helpful for our company's growth. We didn't know what we were doing at first. And, and sometimes at the beginning, we'd be like, they don't know what they're talking about. And we had that ignorant arrogance. But we learned our lessons, we would make mistakes, and then we kind of learned, oh wow, Jeremy and Mike have both lived way longer than we have and have seen a lot more experiences than we have, so now it's, it's, we learn so much from them. Sometimes we disagree, and that's healthy, you know, if everyone agreed on the same thing, one isn't necessary, but it's, it's incredible to have older, more experienced, more wiser advisors and people working with you. And with Jeremy, he had a special, uh, the, the vision that he had, for our idea, that early stage. Closer. Uh, the vision he had uh, at that early stage kind of stood out to us. You know, there's people who say, even here at CES, oh, this is amazing, I wanna get involved. I'm gonna, it's like, slow down. Um, can we actually see if there's actually substance here? And- You guys uh, ever hear slow down from me? <laughs> <laughs> I don't, yeah. Uh, but yeah, so he had that kind of, the, the, the mindset that clearly there's something here he gave great points that were in line with our vision. And so he said, like, you know what, let's have, uh, I remember it was just me and Jeremy at first, but then we had Nick jump on and it was good synergy there. Mm -hmm. And this idea of not knowing what you don't know, uh, there's an old adage about you know your 20s, 30s, and 40s that you knew everything in your 20s, right? 
you thought you knew more in your 30s and you knew nothing by the time you were 40. Um, have you experienced this idea of, you know, not in a totality realizing not only don't you know what you don't know, but you'll never know. And that what we have to do is test and go and we have to utilize the pain, setbacks, failures, and mistakes to learn lessons, to pivot us or to promote us or protect us to a better place in a better situation? Or do you feel on the other side of it that now I got this game down and now I really know what we're doing? I think that, of course, there's millions of things I'm never going to know. Like my girlfriend's a nurse. She's studying, she's in nursing school right now. And the things she's learning are way beyond me. And I know I'm never going to learn that. But I also accept this is not what I want to do. My, my focus is Popple, being a successful entrepreneur, building a, a company that changes the world. So I want to be an expert at that and accept that I'm never going to be an expert at nursing. I'm never going to know medicine. That's okay. It's not my interest. It's a great point. Specializing is so important. And it's one, something that we've learned from our mentors as we've gotten to this point that even in our company, we need to start specializing. Mm -hmm. So, you know, Nick and I, we don't take every meeting together now because he needs to specialize and work on this, and I trust him to do that, and vice versa. And so you need to start delegating as you grow a team. Uh, and so that specializing and focusing on what you, you know, what is your superpower and, and staying on that, and that's what's going to be best for the company. You know, I uh, listened to you about changing the world, and you're sitting here with a digital business card that could create a platform. And I think back 25 years ago, uh, I was more well-known than Jeff Bezos 25 years ago. I had more money uh, than Jeff Bezos 25 years ago, and I had many more relationships than he did on Sin Hill Road. And if I was in Jeff Bezos' garage or he was on my podcast 25 years ago, it'd be more like a radio station at Angel Stadium. <laughs> and he told me that he was selling books out of his garage on the internet. 20, and I was an internet guy in 92, so I understood the internet. And then he told me, I'm going to change the world. I would have laughed at him, scoffed at him, and made fun of him 25 years ago. But I'll tell you this, listening to you guys today with your digital platform and, and Popple itself, uh, it was fun for me because I loved hearing from you that we're going to change the world because I wish that when I was your age that I didn't limit myself uh, and felt that, wow, I made my first million nine months out of law school, sold our first company for $3.4 billion in 1995. I got this all figured out, but I limited myself to think that I could change the world. And now it took until my 50s and I am changing the world. And I know mathematically how I'm going to do it by empowering a thousand people like you guys to empower a thousand, to empower a thousand, create a collective consciousness with a billion people, teaching them how to make money, help people, and have fun. So I just want to commend that mindset that, and with my encouragement, yes, you're going to change the world. And I hope someday you make, you know, I don't know what comes after a trillion, even that's how limiting my beliefs are. And if Bezos told me he was going to make a trillion dollars and be the richest man on earth and change the world, I would have laughed at him. So I hope you make infinity plus one uh, and change the world, both of you. To that point, what's the next step in changing the world for Popple? Well, so just like Jeff Bezos started with books, you know, we could be at that stage right now, and we don't know. We are constantly learning. We're constantly studying our users, and we're constantly uh, creating new concepts and innovating. Um, right now, we are very focused on teams now. So, you know, we've mastered the digital business card for an individual. But now, let's say I want to manage digital business cards across the entire organization, team, 
restaurant group, et I would say touchless too, right? Because it wasn't a big deal before the pandemic, but touchless is going to be a big deal. Yes, right. And ride that, the, the contactless wave. That's um, not really even a wave because I think that even when COVID starts to die down a little bit, I still think people will be conscious of this kind of thing. Oh, no doubt. And yeah. trust me, there will be more pandemics. We're here at CES <laughs> now, and people are handing out paper business cards as networking oh. tools. But some people are even like, I don't, it's, I don't want business cards. Anymore. It's incredibly popular still. Wow. We, we walk past booths, and people are just still doing it. So that's such a big market that needs a disruption. Mm-hmm. So we're replacing business cards for individuals and for teams. And we see a future where people are using Popple to network, and you're no longer handing out pieces of paper, which end up in the trash. But you're making real digital connections on your phone. And it can expand out to many more things other than your PIM, right? Using Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat, whatever it is, that can lead to all types of uh, aspects with FFA, SFA, and CRM, creating a true quantitative value within the enterprise, which is where Bezos and other entrepreneurs that I've worked with over the last 30 years really make an impact on the world when you're able to cross over, not just from a consumer or a smaller team play, but into the enterprise space where you're providing uh, true quantitative value in you know the billions. Absolutely. You know, people don't understand, don't realize this, but Amazon, their biggest drive, their I'd say biggest driver of revenue is AWS, mm-hmm. which is their B2B you know hosting platform. Everyone just sees them in terms of consumers as the uh, online. You know, I go online, I purchase things from Amazon, but that's just one of their many. Um, you know, sides of their business. And so it's a great point that you need that enterprise in order to exponentially grow. And if I was going to give you $100 million today, one, would you take it? Two, if you wouldn't take it, how much would you take? And three, what would you use the money for? That's a good question. <laughs> I would say I would take it, right? Good. I mean... Thank I would God. say I, I would take it. And you learned something from here. <laughs> All right. I would that was take a it. Test. <laughs> I would say thank you. Um, Good. I'd be you know, very <laughs> you. A plus answer. You're already done. That's awesome. No, go ahead. So what would you use it for? Well, that's a, that's a very interesting question. I think Nick and I, we love what we're doing. You know, we're very passionate about it. And I think even though we would have 100 million we would still want to do something day to day. It's like, otherwise, what's the point of, what's the drive, what's our mission? Um, so I, I'd probably just use it for growth. Add fuel yeah. to the fire. Exactly. Turn that 100 million into 100 billion. How? Oh, oh, strategy. Well, so personally, investments, real estate, um, but then in terms of Popple, we have this engine that's, that's working really well for us, um, and it's adding value to a lot of people. And when you have that engine and you're able to scale up and you have the spend for that advertising engine, um, then it just results in you know, even more growth. So I would say definitely a good amount of it would go into that. Good. Yeah, it's interesting because uh, a lot of the world is turning into a vending machine. And this is why we were talking about test and, test and go, is that one of the key focuses that I have is how do I turn this into a vending machine? Because we have access to everybody in the world because there's such a huge market and I know my frequency, I'm capable of modifying it and amplifying it, but perpetuating it. If I can figure out a better methodology of testing and pivoting or going, I call it test and go, the better my vending machine goes and the more confident I am in that vending machine, regardless of the analytics and all the changes and the pandemic and all the blame, shame and justification, the best companies like Amazon, uh, like Apple, 
these companies have a vending machine. They know if they put so much in, they're going to get so much out. I know that for my brand now. Right now, my bigger concern is, okay, I got enough money, I can keep pouring it in, but I don't have the infrastructure to scale. If I put a million dollars into the brand, into my vending machine, I know I'll get $2 million out, and I know how much time it will take, and it will increase, increasingly make more and get faster. I just don't have the structure to handle all of those people that it would take to, to make that. You're one guy. You'd have to. Ha you'd have so many guests, so many great quality guests. <laughs> you'd have to like, sift through them. And I, yeah. Well, yeah. How, question for you: How how are you as you get bigger? How are you planning on scaling? Because you are one guy. You do. You know. You're you're interviewing a certain person or a team at a time. So how are you planning on scaling as you get more and more popular? Yeah. So this doesn't scale. But what does scale is the Apple TV deal, right? Mm -hmm. So having a studio here, having a Congrats, studio at, at SoFi, having the new TV and movie studio by South Coast Plaza. So not only does it make what I do better and easier to get better uh, and more of these done efficiently, but more importantly, I can have more TV shows. And now, you know, people like Martha Stewart and I, who have been blessed now to have this partnership with Apple to provide content, you know, I, you know, what, what make Little John, you know, so, you know, ludicrous or, you know, any of because the, they produce. So the scalable side of it is I take people like you and say, hey, where's your show? Or Jeremy, where's your show? And so I've already started creating content as an executive producer that scales and each one builds that brand the same way that we've, I've seen and modeled the music business most importantly. But look, Ron Howard's a good example. How many movies could Ron Howard, you know, star in? But when he became a producer, you know, Shonda Rhimes makes far more money. And her name's, or Dick Wolf, if you know these names in the entertainment business, right? Not because they have a show with guests. And so that's how you scale the content. And then where I get really, uh, I think I have an advantage in uh, superior knowledge uh, in the market is the, I know because of my relationship with Gary Vee as a mentor of mine, I was in the cutting edge of how do you amplify and, and modify the content that I do do. The TV shows, the books, the podcast, the stage time that I spend, even the coaching that I do, how, how does that do? And so the coaching scales because of it, right? You know, I have these private groups with thousands of people that have access to me and I've created a model where my one-on-one -on -one coaching, although, uh, you know, I love doing it, I only can handle 50 one-on-one -on -one clients, right. right? So I have a long wait list, but I created a downstream of somewhere where I can help people make money and have fun with and have thousands of people that pay a monthly fee to do that, which is far less uh, than anything else. And I think you'll find the same in scaling your business. There'll be all of these kind of production side of things where you are the picks and shovels uh, of what you're doing. You're, you're not actually the gold. Uh, that's like the closest to delegating at a company that you can get. It's like, cause you're a producer. So you're not necessarily on the show all the time, but you're producing all these different little trees. Exactly. And now helping you have a question as well. I was gonna say one, one big lesson that we've learned as we've grown our company is, you know, in the early days we were doing everything ourselves, running our own ads, running our own products, even shipping out our orders from our apartment. With um, Jeremy's help. With Jeremy's help, of course. <laughs> But scaling up, one of the things you learn is like you can't do everything yourself. It's, they, it's not I'm possible. And, and we are lucky enough to have an amazing team of people who are here at CES with our, us right now on their feet 12 hours a day. 
pitching Popple like it's their own because it is. Um, and like just building an incredible team. You have a great team. It was great to come in. You know, I remember the first day we came into your studio two years ago in special. Irvine, and we saw some of the same guys that are still here today. And now look at the, where we're at right now. You, you, you got to scale up a great too, team. just like you two guys. So <laughs> yeah. Everybody's getting older. You know, I got a bunch of babysitters. It's perfect. Anyway, guys, incredible. What a blessing it's been to work with, especially Jeremy Greenfield. I want to give him a big shout out. Who's the chief revenue officer of Popple? But Nick and Jason, the co-founders of Popple, an extraordinary platform that I know will change the world. It definitely won't look like it looks like today, just like Amazon doesn't look like it looks like 25 years ago. So God bless you both. I wish you all the best. And I know that you're two jockeys that I would bet on. And uh, that, that horse is just going to get bigger, faster, and stronger. So thanks for joining me.